This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It's 4.33 on a great day for talk radio, the Friday edition. And at this time, most Fridays, we're joined by Conrad Black, noted author, commentator, and historian. Conrad, good afternoon and a happy new year to you. Uh, Thanks, John. Same to you. Well, looking forward to uh, the year 2019. We got a big election coming up next October, nine and a half months out. I know it's an eternity, but, you know, you seem to cite in a piece in the Post tomorrow that uh, Canada's got to start competing, assuming Trudeau and Morneau let us, uh, in effect saying there's a leadership deficit or crisis in this country. Is that about right? Yeah, and in fairness, it's not confined to them. I mean, I, I think the former government of Ontario and and this uh, this regime of kooks in British Columbia, uh, <laughs> where you, you have this green NDP coalition, it's an unimaginable nightmare politically, in policy terms. I mean, they may be pleasant people, but they're, they're you know, they're, they're living on another planet and doing a lot of damage to our part of this one. Uh, but uh, they take their share, too, so we can't lay it all at the door of the federal government. All right, but when it comes to uh, certain issues and how they're addressing them or handling them, I mean, more no, that's the the finance minister and uh you know, I mean, let's start, though, with the, the Greens out west, because it seems like in some ways they're the tail wagging the uh, Confederation dog here. And, uh, you know, the carbon tax issue is surfacing as, I guess, one of those friction points in this year, the election year. Uh, do you think that's going to be significant in the upcoming election? Yeah, I think it will, because uh, and I, I want to see what the new government in Quebec's uh, response to it is. But certainly... Uh, the premier here, Doug Ford, uh, ran uh, for election successfully with that as a major issue, and I don't see why he would change his views. And, of course, Ontario's got, what, 40% about the population of the country. And, um, uh, so, uh, yeah, look, I, this is an overtaxed country, and, and the public sector spends too much. And any glance, I mean, it literally any one of your listeners could sit down uh, on the Internet for 20 minutes and inform themselves of statistics that are beyond dispute, showing historically the dangers of this country having substantially higher tax rates than the United States. And, and uh, that's where we are. And the automobile industry, which, of course, has been a huge employer in Ontario for uh, all the lifetimes of any of us, anyone listening to the program, um, uh, is, is in a parlous condition. And, and you saw General Motors shutting down facilities. Now, it, it's, uh, you know, that's a shrinking industry, and that's a huge employer, both directly and indirectly, because obviously the automobile industry backs into steel, glass, rubber, everything, you know, petrochemicals. And um, these problems have to be faced. And I, I, look, I'm not speaking in a spiteful or partisan spirit. And uh, in, in fact, I personally, I, I hardly know Bill Morneau, but I do know Justin Trudeau, and he's personally a very nice man. But uh, but that's not the issue here. We're talking about public policy. And, and uh uh, I, I get the impression they think that they can use cannabis sales and taxing Internet gambling uh, to, to to pay for guaranteed income and just keep massaging the money around as the public sector share of, of, of GDP as a percentage gets higher and higher and the economic growth rate gets uh, steadily less competitive. And as I pointed out, I think you may have been referring to the piece be published in the newspaper, you know, the physical edition of the National Post tomorrow. But we have lost ground steadily against a lot of other countries. And we now have GDP per capita as your measurement of uh, 
standard measurement of uh, a standard of living, and, and we're only 10% ahead of Israel, which was literally a desert with nothing except some rubble in it when it was set up 70 years ago, and, and, and uh, it was thought to be a, a, a struggling country of kibbutz and people living in communes. And and they're you know they're ninety percent of Canada's GDP and they've been at war every day of their existence as a country. I, I mean South Korea is not far behind us. That was that was a rubble heap in the days of Truman and MacArthur. There was not one building standing in all of Korea, and they didn't make anything. It was an agricultural country only, no manufacturing. I, I mean we've got a wonderful country here, but we've got to be less complacent and we've got to be better organized. Well, this is what you cite in your piece in the Post tomorrow, uh, the mismanagement of this wealthy... And, I, and we can't lay it all at this government. I want to be clear on that. No, I, it, I, I think they've not done well on the economic side, but but it's not all up to them. Right. Uh, so then, uh, if we can bring it back into the present, though, what happens going forward? Is there a way uh, that we can get out of this yes, situation? It's a rich country and a, and a talented, well-educated population with a pretty good work ethic. There's nothing wrong with Canada that good government wouldn't solve. All right. So and, and look, remember, we people. It's in a democracy. You get the government you deserve. So mm. fine, we can complain about the politicians, but we put them there. Right. Uh, and you know, <laughs> then where will this next election be won or lost? I mean, there are ser- several criteria. We've already alluded to the economy, maybe the carbon tax issue. Immigration. Look, Quebec, uh, you cited Quebec. As goes Quebec, so goes the rest of the country in a lot of these federal elections. Uh, where's this thing going to be made or broken? Well, I think Quebec is, is, in a sense, a wild card. Obviously, you've got to assume that I believe there's 78 MPs from Quebec out of, I think, 338 in total. Right. I, I know when I first started following these things in the latter days of Mr. Salero, it was, I think, 65 MPs out of out of, uh, out of 75 out of 265, I believe. So the Quebec share has declined, but uh, uh, but the uh, you know the birth rate has gone down there, and there's been a considerable rise in, in Alberta and British Columbia. But the uh, Quebec, even now, if it delivers itself completely, which it, uh, we touched on this a couple of weeks, several weeks ago, uh, you know, they, they gave everything they had really to Laurier, Lapointe for Mr. King, Mr. Saint Laurent, Pierre Trudeau. I mean, the, those four liberal leaders, French Canadians from Quebec, took practically every MP in, in Quebec, and it gave them, a, you know, half of what they needed to govern, and and the. Uh, and they didn't do that for Chrétien, and they're not going to do it for Justin. They'll give him about, I, my guess is around 50 MPs, but most of the rest will go to the Conservatives, which means that the Conservatives, basically the Conservatives and Liberals will be about even, not counting Ontario. And Ontario, because the, you know, the, 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 conser- the Liberals aren't electing anybody between the Lakehead and the Rocky Mountains. Right. And no, anyone out there who voted for this government it, it would be out of his mind and should be taken to a psychiatric center. <laughs> Uh, I mean, given what they've done to Alberta and so on, but the but the um, uh, so, so it's up to Ontario and I, the Conservatives can win, in my opinion, if they hammer hard enough just how serious the situation is and present a serious policy alternative. I think it's not going to be a personality election. I mean, both Justin Trudeau and Andrew Scheer are perfectly nice people. That's not the issue. No, I don't think there's any big vote against them on their personalities. There was some vote against Harper because people thought he was cold and difficult, and, and frankly he was, although he was competent. Uh, and, and there have at times been you know, votes against leaders for 
such reasons as that, foibles of their personality. I don't think that's a problem here. You've got two leaders who are actually quite equable, likable people. So uh, I th- it's a policy election, but I think it's a watershed. It's going to be an important decision, and the conservatives can't just... Uh, can't they can't beat something with nothing. They're going to have to put up some alternatives, and, and I, I believe they will. Or unless it's a vote against the Liberals. Now, uh, there are some ominous signs that maybe 2019 uh, will see an economic downturn, not saying out-and-out recession, but, you know, the things, the uh, storm clouds over China and what have you. Uh, so if the economy goes south, it tanks, obviously it's going to hurt the Liberals, isn't it? Uh, yes, but uh, I don't think there's any sign that that uh, that it's going to be a bad year in the United States. And traditionally, we follow the U.S. I mean, it is still, uh, you know, despite the frictions, it, it, uh, I believe trade with the U.S. is, is something like 37 percent of our GDP, something of that sort. But uh, and 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 the U.S. growth looks strong. And uh, the re- the the problems in China. Are, are not anything we should be we should be lamenting here. Not because we have anything against China. Of course, we do not. But uh, they have been conducting an extremely aggressive policy of, of stealing industrial intelligence and unfair trading, and uh, and and bullying their neighbors. And and this policy enacted by the U.S. administration is very strenuously supported by the Japanese, the Indonesians, the Taiwanese, even who are basically Chinese, obviously, the Vietnamese, the Filipinos, Australia, Thailand. They are all cheering uh, Trump and, and Light, you know, Light Eisner's trade representative on in this, uh, and South Korea, because they're tired of being bullied by China and they're concerned about it. So uh, that's a correction for China. And what it means is, uh, as long as as long as Trump keeps his nerve, and he, he's he's not to be underestimated of this kind of thing, that China will mend its ways a bit, and we will benefit from that. And it will be one of these things where we've done absolutely nothing to better our lot, but just by by sitting still and saying nothing. Uh, we will benefit from what the Americans are doing, and they're not doing it for us. They're doing it for themselves, but we'll benefit from it also. Again, with Conrad Black. All right, so finally, then I should ask you whether the U.S., because we've got Nancy Pelosi now being uh, repositioned as a Speaker of the House, and the Dems have taken control of it. Now, will that help or hurt Trump going forward? They're talking about uh, obstructionist policies as well as impeachment. Now, uh, saber-rattling on that front. Is that going to help or hurt Trump, you figure? Uh... I, I think he'll. I think he'll manage it pretty well. I, I don't think you're going to get much of a legislative program through in the next two years. That they might. They might be able to do it on infrastructure. The one thing where I think it may, despite present appearances, work, is in immigration. The United States has historically it has failed to deal with immigration. It's frankly failed to deal with a lot of major policy areas, and that's why you have crumbling infrastructure. They fumbled abortion into the laps of the courts, and and they they've never figured out health care. I mean, you know, our our system has a has its problems, but at least we came up with legislation to cover it. I mean, I don't think it's a great system, but that's not the point. We addressed it, and the Americans haven't. And and even Obamacare didn't cover everybody, and, and it's been repudiated. And uh, so Trump absolutely is right. They have to establish these borders. You see every week these numbers. I mean, thousands of these people just 
streaming all the way through Central America and Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, claiming to have a right to be, enter the United States. I mean, it, it isn't immigration like we celebrate at, you know, immigration centers, like Ellis Island, the Statue of Liberty, and the corresponding places in Quebec City and Halifax, where people conscientiously decide to make their lives in another country and become citizens of that country and, and help build that country. Well, Trump calls it an invasion. Well, well it is. I mean, it, it's not an invasion as in a, an armed force, you know, like like the, uh, uh, the Germans and Russians invading Poland in 1939. No, and he's not saying that. But it is a population movement. It's just masses of people deciding they want to live in another in another place that doesn't belong to them and not go through any formalities to get there. It's, it is like the latter Roman Empire when these Asiatic hordes poured into Western Europe. Mm. Well, it, it, the United States has more military power than all other countries in the world combined. It, 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 it has... One and a half million people in the armed forces. It can stop this. It's just got to stop. And, and it, you know, the, the well, yeah, that's political kryptonite, though. You understand? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except, the, except that the, if it gets to that, the country will support it. That's not where you start. Are we at a point where we'd even uh, make that a big issue for our campaign here? I think, as usual, these things were relying on the Americans to to stop. No, but I mean at the southwestern Quebec border, for example, in yeah, Quebec. Well, yeah, but I mean, let's face it, John. I mean, the problem we're potentially concerned with isn't Americans coming pouring into Canada. It's it's Latin Americans pouring through the U.S. into Canada. Well, right, our Haitians and Nigerians now. Yeah, but yeah, you, you know the Haitians, you know that they, they don't have a land border with us. I mean, look, I'm, I'm let me be clear. I don't want to paint myself into a corner being anti-immigration. I absolutely am not. Uh, and we need immigration. And I, and I hope we can keep it at the level where it is. 300,000 a year is you know, a very respectable level of immigration for us. But uh, it'd be like 3 million in the U.S., which is triple what they have legally. And, 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 and we need the people. Uh, but countries have to have borders, or you do get exactly what you just said a minute ago of, of an invasion, not an armed invasion, but a civilian invasion, just a, a mass of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the And there's no coherent plan to address it, apparently. Well, and well, there's... In terms of the administration has a plan. And the, well, no, I'm talking about in Canada, it no, seems. No, here, here we're tr- we tried to pretend that we were... Uh, morally favorably distinguishable from the U.S. and everyone was welcome and Justin was, you know, walking around greeting arrivals and so on. It was, and it's all blowing up in his face. He's got to stop it. But I, I think as often happens, as in trading with China, we can allow the Americans to do the heavy lifting for us because they're the front line here. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the Democrats have got to be careful with the syntactical business about a wall. I mean, the, you know, the, the optics on a wall are not great. I accept that, but that's not the point. You can't stop people entering somewhere uh, with drones and, uh, and and cameras. No, sovereignty still counts for something. Conrad, I've got to leave you on that note. I think it's a point, and many points actually well taken, so uh, we'll look forward to reading the piece in the Post tomorrow on these issues and others. I don't want armed men with fixed bayonets at the border, but we need borders. Understood. Thanks, John. Thank you, Conrad Black. Again, noted author, commentator, and historian, contributor to The Oakley Show. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.